Okay, let's talk about pet peeves for a minute. What are your biggest pet peeves? One of mine is being interrupted. I hate being interrupted when I'm in the middle of a conversation, especially with my husband and my kids come up and constantly interrupt us. Um, We even have a train that runs in our backyard, and I like I find myself getting angry at the train when it goes by when I'm trying to say something, which makes no sense, right? It's an it's an inanimate object, but it still makes me mad nonetheless. <laughs> now, when it comes to education, one of my biggest pet peeves is hearing teachers say, my kids won't be able to do that. It's like nails on the chalkboard to me. I feel my body tense up. I feel a small flame of anger start to slowly burn. And when this statement or something similar is made within my earshot, like I know I am triggered at a deep level. Maybe it's because I feel like I've been underestimated my entire life, and so the underdog in me wants to scream out in students' defense. Or maybe it's because I think it means that the teacher is not planning to give students a chance to try the task, which feels like they're underestimating their students' abilities. My fear is that the belief, my kids won't be able to do that, is used as an excuse to avoid teaching grade-level work. Listen, I understand why teachers say this. 100%. It's really hard teaching math when students have unfinished learning, especially in middle school and high school. And in fact, I used to have similar thoughts about my students in the face of rigorous grade-level content. I'd think, my students aren't ready for this, or they still don't understand how to add fractions. How am I going to teach them how to solve multi-step equations that include fractions? After all, Math is a progression, and new content won't make any sense if they're behind, right? If that's what you're thinking right now, no worries. It's what I used to think, too. But you'll definitely want to listen into today's episode with an open mind and an open heart to hear how my perspective has evolved around this topic, and specifically the impact it's had on the approach I take with students' unfinished learning now. I'll also share two of the most important questions you can ask yourself in the face of challenging grade-level tasks when you're afraid they're beyond your student's current understanding. So let's get started. I'm Chrissy Allison, former middle school teacher and math coach on a mission to help educators create a positive classroom community and reach every learner all while finding balance in their own lives. Since I've left the classroom, I've learned so much about equity in education, building classroom community, math instructional practices that increase accessibility and learning, mindfulness and self-care, and ways to maximize time and impact through focused work and prioritization. Through conversations with experienced educators, you'll gain new knowledge, insights and inspiration, and practical ideas to try in your own classroom. I'll also share my many lessons learned over the years with the hope that it will accelerate your learning curve as a teacher. If you're an educator who's working hard to accelerate your students' confidence and understanding in math, you're in the right place. I want to be your mindful math coach, so let's go ahead and jump right in.
2014, I started working at an educational nonprofit as the Director of Math Professional Learning. Our organization worked with schools and districts who served communities with high percentages of students receiving free or reduced lunch. Typically, students were students of color, and in most cases, the data showed that the students had a lot of unfinished learning in math. Now, I came in when Common Core had only been around for a few years, and so most teachers and administrators were still trying to understand what the standards meant and what the implications were for their instruction. To complicate matters, most of the schools and districts hadn't prepared much ahead of time for the transition, and so all of a sudden one year they followed the old state standards, and the next year it was college and career readiness standards, which in most states are pretty different. And needless to say, that didn't go so well. Not only was some content now in different grade levels, but expectations across the grades were higher and the standards went deeper. Not only were students responsible for procedural skill and fluency, as they had been previously, but with the Common Core and other states' college readiness standards, there was a greater emphasis on conceptual understanding and problem-solving. So even before day one of the new school year, many educators felt like they and their students were behind. I always kept this context in mind when I had the opportunity to talk with teachers or join classroom observations with leaders, and over time I noticed a few things. First, one of the most common and pressing concerns for teachers were the gaps their students had that got in the way of grade-level content that they were supposed to be teaching. And the most common way they tried to address it was to press pause on grade level material to revisit content from previous grade levels for a few days or even a few weeks before shifting into grade level work. I understood this approach. In fact, it was something I'd done myself as a teacher. Spend the first few weeks of school reviewing content from the previous year since we always assumed students had forgotten some important things over the summer. Additionally, I know that math learning follows a progression. I mean, that's a fact that pretty much goes undisputed. And so it made sense to me that if students were missing a few rungs in their ladder of learning, then teachers needed to fill those first so that the grade level content made sense when they got to it. I mean, this is logical, right? If you're about to teach eighth graders how to find the slope of a line and they aren't sure what a proportion is, you know you're in trouble. The second trend I noticed was that, by and large, the leaders did not approve of teachers spending time on below-grade-level content. And this didn't surprise me. In the educational nonprofit world I was living in, at least at the time, teaching below-grade-level content was a no-no. It was a big red flag, and it was seen as a sign of lowering expectations and raising the opportunity gap. So as we came out of our classroom observations and we identified the standard that the lesson aligned to, if the content was below grade level, the instructional coaches and principals took issue with the lesson most of the time. And I found myself defending the teachers. Because as a former teacher myself, I can't stand it when administrators observe a lesson for 10 minutes and come out with a laundry list of judgments and perceived failures on behalf of the teacher. I'd say something like, Well, we were only in there for 10 minutes, and so it's possible that this was just the part of the lesson where they were brushing up on something that's a prerequisite to grade-level work. You know, math is a progression, and in fact, coherence is one of the three math shifts. So if students are missing critical prerequisites, I see why they're taking a step back. Or I might say, 
Since they're getting ready to move into the unit on solving application problems with rational numbers, it makes sense to spend a little time reviewing operations with fractions. And by the way, all of this is still true. Don't worry, I'm not going to do a bait and switch on you and all of a sudden tell you that math isn't a progression or you should never revisit content from previous grade levels. So you can go ahead and exhale if you were holding your breath. In a nutshell, it was common for teachers to raise concerns about students' unfinished learning and to try and address it in the best way that they knew how. And it was also common for administrators to focus on getting them to teach grade-level content anyway. I gave teachers the benefit of the doubt because I figured that they know their students best. And again, it bears repeating that the math standards were created as a coherent progression. So if teachers feel like they have to take one step back before taking two steps forward, they have a valid concern that needs to be addressed, not denied or brushed under the rug. I'm going to forewarn you, though. Here comes the turning point in the story. Stay with me through it. A year or two into my new job, after being in a number of classrooms and talking to teachers and leaders, I realized something. It occurred to me that I'd rarely seen actual grade-level instruction. So while it was true that by dropping in for 10 minutes, we couldn't make assumptions about students' access to grade-level content during that one lesson, I could draw some conclusions about students' access to grade-level content over time. And it was clear that it wasn't happening as often as I'd assumed. I thought the moments of below-grade-level content were just that, moments that were being used to help bridge the gap, so to speak but it turned out that they were frequently full lessons that took up the entire class period, and sometimes these went on for days, weeks, and possibly even months. Now, I'd say I had this aha around 2016 or so, and since then, a report has come out confirming the trend that I had noticed myself. Another educational nonprofit called the New Teacher Project, or TNTP, published The Opportunity Myth, in October of 2018. To gather data, they followed nearly 4,000 students in five diverse school systems to learn more about their experiences. Let me share a few of their findings with you. Although students of color and white students have similar success rates when they're given on-grade level assignments, many students of color were denied the opportunity to even try it. In fact, 38% of classrooms where the majority of students are students of color were never given grade-appropriate assignments during the course of the data collection. And here's one more. Of the 180 classroom hours in each course subject during the school year that they collected data on, students spent only 26% of their time on assignments that were grade-appropriate. So what this told me was that our situation was not unique. The schools and districts we worked in were pretty representative of what was going on across the country. In all states and all cities, students were not being given access to grade-level content like we thought. It's these cumulative experiences and information that have altered my perspective and ultimately my guidance for how to support students with unfinished learning while ensuring students have the opportunity to engage in grade-level work the majority of the time. I know from my time as a middle school teacher that we can't simply ignore missing skills and conceptual understanding and blindly march ahead as if there'll be no impact on students. 
However, we also can't take all the time in the world to go back to square one and try to teach the entire math progression from start to finish. So what should we do? Before I put out any suggestions or guidance myself, I wanted to understand the challenge more deeply, especially since I was a teacher myself pre-Common Core, and I knew it wasn't an apples-to-apples situation. So I decided to spend some time analyzing and solving math tasks myself, channeling my former students, and trying to figure out exactly what type of circumstances or what type of content or tasks called for halting grade-level content in order to review previous skills and then which ones didn't. I spent hours solving problems and making lists of prerequisite skills that students would need to solve the problem from start to finish. And the lists were long. Very, very long. And at first it was a little daunting. But then I had an aha. I realized that I was asking the wrong question. The right question is not, what are all of the skills and understandings students need to be able to complete the problem correctly? Think about it. If students already have all of the skills and understandings they need to solve a task before they actually engage in the problem-solving process, then what is it we're hoping they learn by solving it? In other words, if there's no space between current understanding and the learning goal, what's the point? Instead, we need to ask, what is the minimum students need to be able to enter into the task and engage in the problem-solving process in a meaningful way? And when I say minimum, I'm talking about the most critical prerequisite skills and understandings. When I asked the question this way, the list became much, much smaller. I was able to pare it down, and it felt way more manageable. So at the end of this investigation, I have to admit that I was a little surprised by what I had discovered. I'd gone into the exercise under the assumption that most of the middle school tasks would be impossible for students to do without intervention from their teacher ahead of time to address the unfinished learning. But it just simply wasn't true, especially if you ask the right question. What do students need in order to access the task instead of What do students need in order to complete the task? Since that time back in fall of 2016, when I decided to really dig into the topic of unfinished learning, I've continued exploring and experimenting with ways to increase accessibility to grade-level tasks using somewhat of an action research approach. First, I partnered with senior mathematics specialist at Student Achievement Partners, Ostrid Fossum, to investigate the topic together. We spent over a year in deep discussion, comparing notes and brainstorming the most common pitfalls we'd seen schools fall into when it comes to math intervention. We identified alternatives that aligned to the math shifts of focus, coherence, and rigor. And we've shared them publicly through Achieve the Core's aligned blog, in newsletters, and at several conferences, including the National Council of Supervisors of Mathematics Conference in the spring of 2018. I'll include a link to the blog posts in the show notes on mindfulmathcoach.com in case you want to check them out. 
After that, I started working with teachers and math coaches one-on-one to help increase students' access to grade-level math in the face of significant unfinished learning. Together, we learned which approaches increased accessibility, engagement, and understanding, and which ones didn't. We saw students get excited about the problem that was presented to them and engage in ways that they hadn't before, and this was noted by both teachers and leaders. I'd like to share a few ideas that have come up from that work that I think will help you as you address your students' unfinished learning. First, I'd like to share an analogy with you. I love using this analogy of a drawbridge to describe the degree to which unfinished learning affects access to grade-level content. Imagine you are trying to cross a drawbridge and there is heavy traffic or construction. What will happen? Can you get across? Sure, it's just that your speed will be a bit slower. However, what if the drawbridge was up to let a boat cross? Different scenario, right? The takeaway here is that not all unfinished learning has the same impact on students' ability to engage in the task. Sometimes it will be like traffic or construction and cause the students or the teacher or the lesson to slow down. And other times the bridge will be up and you'll need to hold on and wait until the bridge is down before you proceed across. So here's the first of two great questions that you can ask yourself when you're planning for unfinished learning, as promised. When you consider what students are missing from previous grades, does it cause the bridge to be up? When you do this, I bet you'll see for yourself what I saw which is that the bridge isn't up nearly as often as we might think. So the second idea is around that phrase that I hope we can strip out of our language once and for all. My kids can't do that. What I've realized is that oftentimes when teachers say my kids can't do that, what they really mean is I don't have confidence that all of my students will be able to complete the entire task by themselves with 100% accuracy. And that's probably true with any class of students. And that's okay. The problem is that this is the wrong question to ask on the front end of a learning task. Sure, you want all students to be able to solve rigorous problems accurately and independently by the time the state summative rolls around or the end of the school year. But that's a completely different situation than a math task that you're learning as part of the learning experience. Instead, Let's ask, what can I do to ensure all of my students have entry into the task? In other words, how can you design or launch or scaffold the task in a way where all of your students can make sense of the task and begin exploring a solution pathway of their choosing? Remember that we're trying to decide what the most essential skills and understandings are, the most critical prerequisites students need in order to access the task not solve it with 100% proficiency by themselves the first time through. One tip I'll offer here is that it's worth it to take time to solve the task yourself as part of your planning process. Solve it and list out the skills and understanding students need, then identify which ones truly need to be in place before students can even begin the problem versus the ones that can be folded in during work time or the discussion that typically follows a task. All right, one final point I'd like to highlight on the topic of unfinished learning. 
I alluded to this one earlier, but it's worth revisiting. And that's the varying perspectives that teachers and school or district leaders tend to have about the challenge of supporting unfinished learning. In my experience, teachers tend to overestimate the amount of unfinished learning students have and the impact it has on their ability to meaningfully engage in grade-level content, and therefore how frequently and for how long they should teach content from previous grades. While principals and leaders tend to underestimate the amount of unfinished learning students have and the impact it has on their ability to meaningfully engage in grade-level content, and therefore how frequently and for how long teachers should teach content from previous grades. Now, the truth is somewhere in the middle. So if you're a teacher and you find yourself on a different page than your instructional coach or your principal, or vice versa, if you're a principal and you're not on the same page as the math teachers in your building, I hope this episode has helped you to see the both-and-ness of this situation, that all students need to have opportunities to engage in grade-level content, and they also need entry and access into the content which may mean taking some time beforehand to revisit content from previous grades. And more often than not, it means finding ways to address students' unfinished learning alongside or woven into the grade-level content. Here's another way to put it. We have to take into account both meanings of the word access. First, students need access to grade-level content, meaning that they need consistent opportunities to have grade-level content in front of them, and to engage in that work. And this should be the focus of the majority of instructional time in Tier 1 instruction. Second, we must support students to access the content, meaning that we need to make sure students have an entry point into the task and that you as the teacher have ensured that there is an accessibility bridge in place if necessary. Don't worry if you aren't sure yet how to build that accessibility bridge. I've got you covered. Okay, quick summary before we close out this episode. I shared a lot of the backstory about how I've developed my approach to addressing unfinished learning because I wanted you to hear for yourself how complex this challenge is. It's not straightforward, and there is no one clear path to take. All classrooms are different, and both students and teachers have varying needs. But regardless of your situation, I hope that these three tips are helpful as you continue thinking about how you're going to address your own students' unfinished learning. First, ask yourself, is the bridge really up before you halt grade-level instruction to revisit content from previous grades? Second, ask yourself, what can I do to ensure all of my students have entry into the task instead of What is the laundry list of things my students need to know and be able to do to solve the task perfectly from start to finish? Number three, students need two types of access. So think access and access, which represents the both-and-ness of the situation and the balance of the two. Students need both access to grade-level content and support to access the content meaningfully through an accessibility bridge. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Chrissy, this all sounds great, but I'm not sure how to do this. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging. In fact, I've put together a free resource that you can use to help bridge the gap to grade-level math and address your students' unfinished learning. 
You can find it over on mindfulmathcoach.com. So make sure you go check it out. Alrighty, that's it for today. If you want to learn more, go to www.mindfulmathcoach.com forward slash episode eight. That's the numeral eight to access the show notes for this episode, including the blog posts I mentioned earlier, as well as a link to TNTP's The Opportunity Myth. At the top of the page, you'll see the link to my free resource to help you bridge the gap to grade level math. In closing, I want to extend an invitation to you to join me on the journey to provide equitable math learning experiences and outcomes for students of color. If you enjoyed this episode and want to make sure you don't miss the next one, head over to mindfulmathcoach.com and sign up to receive weekly reminders for new episodes. You know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, and oftentimes the math improvement journey and the journey towards an equitable and just society can feel a thousand miles long. That's why I'm so glad we're on this mindful math journey together, and in particular, why I'm glad you've chosen to take a single step forward with me today by listening into this episode. Thanks for tuning in. 